Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. On this journey to witness Jesus Christ, and I wanted to bring us back for just a moment as far as where have we been thus far. If you want to, you can fill in a few blanks. One, we have seen a future revelation. We have seen a future revelation. Two weeks ago, we talked about the prophecies of Jesus Christ, specifically in the book of Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus would ever burst onto the scene, and yet uh, people were already talking about him. They didn't know his name, but they knew who he was. They didn't know exactly where or when it would all happen, but they knew that God was going to send a Messiah, that he was going to send a Savior. And of course, we know his name to be Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, God incarnate. And so we had that future revelation, and today we are living in the light of that revelation. Uh, we are now looking backwards in time as they looked forwards in time, looking forward to a coming king. And this morning, again, you can also talk about last week, we talked about Mary. It was about a girl's interruption, and we saw the faith of Mary. Mary was this inspirational figure, not only in human history, but in all of Christendom, that pointed people directly to not only her baby boy, her son, but more importantly, the Savior of mankind. Mary was such an integral figure. Without Mary, there would be no Christmas, and yet Mary is not the central figure of the Christmas story. Of course, Jesus is. And we saw Mary's faith. This morning, we're going to be looking at the person of Joseph. And we're going to be looking at a husband's hesitation. We saw a future revelation. We saw a girl's interruption. And today, we're looking at a husband's hesitation. No doubt, there was a great deal that uh, Joseph had to hesitate about. Uh, He was going to have a vision brought to him in a dream. And no doubt, he was going to be shaken to his very core as far as what was it going to mean for he to be the father of a child that ultimately did not share his DNA, but certainly would be his deliverer. And so this morning, that's where we're going to jump into. If you want to, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 18 through 25. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. And Matthew tells us in Chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But afterward, he had considered this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home to be as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
This morning, I believe that we can learn several lessons from Joseph's Christmas story. Uh, Roman numeral one would be this, that Joseph embraced purity. Joseph was a righteous man. He was a man of deep purity. And we notice this as far as it's captured in verse 18, uh, that he was pledged to marry, that they did not come together before their marriage and that this man was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in ancient Jewish cultures, there were three stages of marriage. Not like today. Generally, you date and you engage and you get married. Well, much in the Jewish culture, dating and betrothal and courtship was a great bit different than what it is today. The first stage of Jewish marriage was called the contractual stage. The contractual stage. You could call this an arrangement stage, if you will. Uh, most days, uh, people sort of choose their own spouses. Uh, they, they choose who their own boyfriend or girlfriend is going to be. They choose whether or not when and where they're going to be engaged. And yet in Jewish culture, that is not the way that it was done. Most marriages were done by arranged marriages. Parents choosing for their children their life partners. Most theologians believe that Joseph could have been in his mid-20s when he married uh, Mary, who was thought to be probably in her mid to late teens, most likely uh, the arrangement was made by Mary's parents and Joseph's family coming together and seeing the potential that Mary and Joseph had as a couple together. One of the things that I always say when I uh, perform a marriage ceremony is I always tell the bride and the groom that it was good that they came together because God knew that they would do better in life and do more for the kingdom together than they would do apart. And that's exactly what happened here with Mary and Joseph. Both of these individuals were people who were committed to being righteous and committed to purity. The second stage, you had the contractual stage. The second stage of, uh, of engagement was the espousal stage. It was the engagement period. And usually this period of time lasted for the better part of a year. Most marriages were arranged, certainly, but yet the couple was allowed to spend time together. They were allowed to get to know one another. They were told, and this is in ancient Jewish culture, they were told not to fall in love with one another, but rather they were told to learn to love one another. Isn't that an interesting thing to, 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 to view of in our culture today? Where many of us, we use that terminology, well, I fell in love or out of love with that person, and yet we could all do a better job of learning to love one another. Thankfully, my wife fell in love with me. She did not have to learn to love me. That was true. Amen. That is not the truth. She had to learn to love me. I did not have to learn to love her. The Jews did not think that love was a feeling. It did not equate to a feeling. Love back in these days was rather a choice. You choose to love your spouse. You choose to love your partner, your husband and wife. And those of you that have been married more than, I don't know, probably more than 10 years certainly understand that, that you choose to love your spouse. You choose to, to take the good and the bad and yet you choose to never leave, never forsake, never abandon, but always love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 tells us 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And yet we see this exact type love being born out in the person of Joseph, loving his wife, willing to give himself for her. The Bible tells us that we are to love our wives. We make a conscious choice to love every day. And yet before Paul wrote those words in Ephesians, Joseph was the embodiment of that scripture. He made room in his heart for only one woman. And we see that heart was shattered at the thought that Mary had been with another person. And following the espousal stage is the engagement stage. And by the way, that's where we pick up this story. We pick up this story in the engagement stage. We see that a a true affection has taken place between Mary and Joseph by the reactions of the news of the pregnancy. Don't you remember last week that it was said that Mary was greatly troubled at the angel Gabriel's message to her. No doubt she was troubled. Not only was she going to be carrying an unfamiliar child, but she knew that it would also break the heart of her engaged husband. And yet we also see that Joseph was brokenhearted, that he had, he had developed true feelings and a true connection for his life partner, Mary. And we see that he has been broken over this issue. And Joseph was considering uh, putting Mary away quietly. And during the engagement phase, by the way, temptation is the strongest the, the parents become less and less of a fixture in the engagement phase. And the couple is left for great periods of time throughout the day. They're left with one another alone. And no doubt there is great opportunities to be up to no good. And yet Joseph and Mary were pure. He was a man of purity. He never put his wife in a place where God's favor would not rest upon her. I like to think that it was Joseph's righteousness act, that his his righteous acts that allowed his wife to garner the merit of carrying the Messiah. Joseph was a man of purity. He was pure when temptation was the greatest. He was pure in keeping his commitment. He was pure when no one was looking. And friends, that begs the question, what about us? What about us? What about me? What about you? Would purity best describe our lives? Are we a people of purity? Joseph's purity rubbed off on everyone around him and even brought favor, God-like favor, divine favor to his future wife. She was pure. He was pure. Does your purity, does our purity change the nature of folks around us? Do people see a pure nature in us? Do they see pure motivation? Do they see a pure thought life? Do they see pure words? Do they see pure actions? I believe that purity is so important. and We've lost a great deal of our purity in the culture that we live in today. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 26, like a muddled spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. I pray that we will all remain righteous in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says from Paul, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually is against his own body. And yet Mary and Joseph were committed to being pure. Not only was Joseph a man of deep purity, but Joseph was also a man who exhibited incredible poise. He exhibited incredible poise in verse 19 because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man 
and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This morning, I want to cover with you three options that Joseph had as Mary's future husband. He had three options. One, he could have had her executed. He could have had her executed. Again, according to Levitical law, Leviticus 20, verse 10, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress, must be put to death. Oh, friends, aren't you glad we don't live in necessarily Old Testament times? And yet Joseph showed an incredible amount of mercy, an incredible amount of grace, an incredible amount of poise. He also could have exposed her. Do you remember the story of the men who caught the woman in the unrighteous act? And they brought her out into the streets and they asked Jesus this very important question. Who sinned, this man or this other person? Should we be stoning her, Jesus? And yet Jesus knelt down and he drew in the dirt. Do you remember that story? And he knelt down in the dirt and he says, he who is without sin should cast the very first stone. See, I don't think the people that drugged this woman out in the streets were necessarily looking to kill her, but I will tell you what they were doing. They were looking to embarrass her. They were looking to expose her. They were looking to make themselves look at a greater level of righteousness than certainly this woman being drugged out in the streets, convicted of some type of immorality and sin. And yet Joseph could have done the, the same thing. He could have drugged Mary out by the hair into the town forum in the public square. He could have shouted from the rooftops what he believed had happened. And yet Joseph was a righteous man, a forgiving man, a, a man of deep purity, but also a man of great righteousness. In John chapter 8, verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group. Instead, instead of embarrassing her, instead of having her executed, Joseph does an incredible thing. He excuses her, or at least he had in mind to excuse her. He wanted to put her away quietly. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Oh, friends, I have had moments in my life where I have lost my temper And chances are you have as well. Maybe someone had said something about you, about your family, about your children, about your wife. Maybe there's been a boss who's judged your job performance incorrectly. And it is so easy to lose your temper. I'll be honest with you. I have never experienced any type of good reaction when we lose our temper or when I've lost my temper. But think about being in Joseph's shoes for just one moment. Rewind time back some 2,000 years and put yourself in Joseph's situation. What would you do? If you were Joseph, would you be angry? I would think you probably would be. I think that's a natural human reaction. Some might even turn to violence. We see that played out in the newspapers, magazines, and on the news today. I imagine that we would be resentful. We would be resentful of that situation, yet we see none of these uh, emotions captured in Joseph. And yet, no doubt, because Joseph was a human being, he was severely hurt, he was probably disappointed, and yet we can still see the depth of Joseph's faith being brought out in this, at least in his mind, a very tragic circumstance. And yet, in the midst of all of this embarrassment, Joseph kept his head. He kept his head. 
He understood that resentment is like taking poison in hopes that the other person will die. There are so many places that we lose our head. And yet, how many of us are guilty of lashing out in anger? We lash out in anger. We lash out in anger with one another. We lash out in anger on Twitter. We lash out in anger on Facebook, where I see most of it, by the way. We lash out in anger on emails. As Christians, we are held doubly accountable for the things that we say on social media. Here's an idea. This is just something that I had been thinking of. Pray before you post. Pray before you post. Run your post through the filter of prayer. And I promise you this. If we begin to run our post through the filter of prayer, we will have less problems. A lot less problems. Not only should we pray before we post, but I think we should think before we tweet. Use your social media as a tool for Christ instead of a terror for others. Look at what Joseph did. Instead of lashing out in hate, listen to what he did. Instead of lashing out in hate, what did Joseph do? He hit the hay. It says that Joseph went to sleep. He didn't encounter Gabriel in a, in a physical sense. He encountered Gabriel in a dream, in a vision. He slept on it. So that means instead of sending that email, lace with sharp words, write it and delete it. Oh my goodness. I have met, I, I have written many an email. And there have been times where as I have gone back over my email and I've reread it, I realized that my email was much sharper in tone than I intended for it to be. Oh, there have been times where I have read things on social media and I have thought, well, this is a worthy thing for me to respond. I need to make sure that my opinion is heard because my opinion is valuable. And I'll write it and then I'll read it and then, thankfully, I'll delete it. I would say this, just about 99 to 100% of the time where I've gotten myself in trouble, whether it be on social media, whether it be in an interpersonal relationship, it's because I've not prayed before I posted. It's not because I've thought before I tweeted. It's probably because I've opened my mouth in times where I shouldn't have. And friends, that's just part of being human, isn't it? We're all guilty of it. But pray before you post, pray before you speak. I promise you, do what Joseph did. Joseph was massively disappointed. Can you imagine? And yet in his disappointment, he slept on it. He gave it some space. He gave it some time. And after a period of time, guess what happened? He heard from the Lord. And he got direction. I promise you, after a few hours of deleting things or holding things, you'll be thankful that you didn't say it. You'll be thankful that you didn't send it. When you look at the life of Christ, can you see the influence of Joseph now? Can you see the influence of Joseph on Jesus? As Jesus stood silent before Pontius Pilate, as Jesus stood silent before the Pharisees, as Jesus' words were measured with Nicodemus, as Jesus stood patiently before the Sanhedrin, Oh, friend, let me tell you, I, I see Joseph written all over Jesus, and I see Jesus written all over Joseph. 
God knew what he was doing when he chose Joseph's to be Jesus' earthly dad. And friends, I think we could all follow Joseph's example. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, look at this verse. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks (laughs) self-control. Or a woman who lacks self-control. Measure our words. Be patient. Instead of embarrassing her, instead of executing her, he withheld his anger Now, look at Roman numeral three. We see that Joseph entertained a new perspective. Again, we garner this from verses 20 and 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save people from their sins. In Proverbs chapter 3, Five and six, uh, the author tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean, lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Don't you imagine when Joseph found out that his beloved Mary was pregnant? Don't you imagine that he formulated some opinions before he knew the full story? After all, Joseph was completely human. He was completely human just like Mary Just like me and just like you. Have you ever been guilty? I know that I have. Have you ever been guilty of feeling like you know every angle of a story when you really don't? How many of you have ever made a snap judgment before you have all angles of the story? Oh, my goodness, I I, I do it all the time. And, And so do you. And friends, Joseph did not have every angle of the story. And yet Joseph... Uh, giving his anger some time, he discovered a new perspective. And he realized that his perspective was not matching up to God's perspective. God knows all, sees all. He understands all. He knows perfectly the past, understands perfectly the present, sees clearly the future. Guys, our, our, our perspective cannot come uh, under the scrutiny of God. My goodness, God's perspective is so much better. This morning, I like to play games. We're going to play a game. Y'all want to play a game? Everybody in for a game this morning? Yeah? Kevin, you in? Kevin's excited. All right, we're going to play a game together. All right, we're going to play a game. Are you ready? Now, this is the, this is the crowd participation time because I saw some of you dozing. As a matter of fact, I had a guy tell me as I walked in here that he planned on trying to stay awake for half of the sermon today. And that, that's good. That's good. I, I said, make sure it's the best half of the sermon. So... But we're going to play a game this morning. Okay, here we go. This is where you all participate. How many of each animal did Moses take into the ark? Two. Josh, you great theologian, you. Josh, tell me your answer. Zero. How could it be zero, Josh? Noah. See, some of you are like, oh, yeah. Guys, y'all need to go back and read your Old Testament. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. All right, what is the name of the raised print that deaf people use? Braille? Yeah? David's laughing. Uh, You got it, all right? See, now you're afraid to answer, right? You're all really afraid to answer. David, why am I sharp? That's right. Deaf people don't read Braille, right? That's right. That's blind people. 
See, now, now again, now y'all are all very scared to participate in today's game. <laughs> all right, here we go. Spell silk. And let's all say it. Spell, I'm not, no trick question. Spell silk. All right, what do cows drink? Ah, who said milk? I heard some milks. I heard some milks. All right, very good. I heard, I heard some milks. Very good. No, cows drink water. You see, here's the thing. The reason why I played this game today is because our understanding is flawed. <laughs> Thank you, Joey. And friends, our understandings are flawed. And, and guys, that's why we need to depend on God's understanding, not ours. Joseph knew that his reasoning was flawed. And in that understanding, he said, Lord, I, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my emotions. I can't trust my feelings. Therefore, I'm going to trust you. Mary did the exact same things. And friends, there are plenty of people who think they're on a right path, but there's nothing about their lives that match holy, the, the Holy Scriptures, God's Word. They, they trust in what others say instead of looking to the Bible. And that's not the route that Joseph took. He, his understanding was going to be just to put Mary on the street, and yet God's understanding led Joseph down a completely different road. The angel appeals to Joseph's fortitude in verse 20, it said that he had considered this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. What an encounter. He, the, the, the angel saying, Joseph, you come from better stock. Joseph, you have a great pedigree. Joseph, you are the son of David. Do not be afraid. And friends, I'll appeal to your pedigree. You are all sons and daughters of the living God. Jesus Christ died for me and for you, shed his blood on the cross, giving you value, giving you worth. Oh, don't ever look down on yourself. Don't ever think of yourself as less because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he thinks of you the most. You are his treasured child. The angel appeared, uh, uh, appeals to Joseph's fortitude. He also appeals to Joseph's future. Matthew ver, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. Joseph, you are going to have a part in this play. You are going to be a part of amazing things. We have a plan for you, Joseph. And friends, you have a plan as well. God has a mighty plan for you. He has a mighty love for you and a mighty affection for you. And he's going to take you places and do mighty things in your life. All you have to do is believe and have faith and say, Lord, I don't trust myself, but I trust you. And I'll go your direction and I'll be a part of your people. He appealed to his fortitude, his future, and now he appealed to his faith. In verses 22 and 23, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yet again, Joseph is reminded of what scripture says. Joseph, go back to God's word, see what it says and believe it and trust it. It won't let you down. In Psalm chapter 32, verse eight, the psalmist writes, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Friends, if you're looking for direction this morning, if you're looking for guidance, don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord. Go to his word, and I promise you it will direct your paths. The last thing we see is that Joseph 
executed God's plan. He didn't execute Mary, but he executed God's plan. In verse 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Joseph, as as pure as he was, as righteous as he was, one of the most profound character studies and character arcs of Joseph's life was that he was a man of great obedience. If you go back and you read through the narratives of the gospel, you'll see that Jesus talks about obedience a great deal. Jesus in John, he even tells us, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Of all the lessons that Jesus was teaching his disciples, he was constantly teaching them the lesson of obedience. Obedience was at the very character, at the very heart of who Jesus was. Where do you think Jesus got that? Well, friends, I I believe that Joseph had some kind of an influence because right here in this story, we don't know much about Joseph. We know he was a pure man. We know he was a righteous man. But I love this piece of scripture right here. It says that Joseph got up and did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. He was an obedient person. The biblical word for obey, it means to listen attentively. By implication to heed or conform to a command or authority. The word conveys the idea of actively following a command. There's no choice in the matter. It's to be done whether one agrees with it or not. Obedience is involuntary. The word that's being used here in this piece of scripture is the same type of word when a commanding officer gives an order to a subordinate officer. That officer has to do exactly what the commanding officer wants. Joseph was obedient because he listened up. In chapter 1, verse 24, it says that when Joseph woke up, he woke up, he listened, he heard. Friends, is God communicating to you today? If he is communicating to you, what's he saying? What lesson does he have? Are you listening to what he has to say for you? What God says to you is going to be different than probably than what he'll say to me. I have a different plan, a different path. And yet God has specifically called you to do your own mission, your own mission field, whether it's a workplace or a courtroom or a schoolhouse. Whatever God has called you to do, are you hearing it? Aren't you glad today that Joseph heard the call of God on his life and that he woke up to it? He listened up. Then he also, he didn't just listen up, he partnered up. In Matthew chapter 1, again in verse 24 and 25, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. What a phenomenal partner Joseph found in Mary. And what a phenomenal partner Mary found in Joseph. The greatest partner that I have in life is my wife. I am so proud and honored to be her partner. My goodness, I couldn't live without her. And I promise you that if she had a microphone, she would say the same thing. (laughs) But, But do you have a partner? It doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be a friend. It can be a brother. It can be a sibling, a cousin. It can be a parent. But do you have a partner that when you hear God's voice on your life, that you can go to that person and say, come with me. I wanna go with you. Oh, I'm so thankful that not only do I have my wife, I've got phenomenal friends here in this church and they are so encouraging to me, lifting me up in prayer, sending me messages, sending me notes of encouragement. 
uh, calling me on the phone. Friends, do you have that kind of accountability in your life? If not, you are missing out and you need it. Everybody needs a friend. Joseph listened up, he partnered up, and then lastly, he followed up. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, and he gave him the name Jesus. He did exactly what was told of him to do. In 2 John chapter 1, verse 6, listen to what John says, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you what? Walk in love. Friends, this morning I'll tell you this. If you don't know where to walk or what to walk, just walk in love. Just walk in love. And, And if you have the same heartbeat as Joseph, if you've got the same heartbeat of Jesus Christ, you're gonna walk in love and God will direct those steps where to go. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just walk in love. Oh, friends, I'm so thankful for the life of Joseph. I'm thankful for the son that he raised, my Savior, my Lord, And I certainly pray that we'll turn Joseph's life into our learning. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray? Lord, we come before you so thankful that we get to worship you, that we get to love you. Thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. I am humbled by the fact that you would come here for me. We should all be humbled, Jesus, that you would come and die for all of us. And we thank you, we praise you, we worship you for that. Lord, I pray that we will learn from Joseph, that we will learn what it means to be a person of purity, that we will learn what it means to be a person who embodies your spirit, a person who is patient and a person who is kind. Lord, help us to look like that because ultimately that looks like you. Lord, bless us now as we have this time of invitation and I pray that people will respond to knowing you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.